It's been almost two years since my husband, Jason, and I took a walk and he said something I really didn't want to hear. Something I wanted to unhear. Something that deep down I knew would change the course of our lives. You see, my husband is a person of ruminations that take a long, long time and they result in very deeply thought out conclusions. And sometimes it takes years, but when he lands on something, he really lands. So here's the context for this walk. In a few weeks, I would be leaving a ministry position that I had loved, easily the best job I had ever had, for another life that called me with even greater urgency, a life with more time to devote to my family. And just as an aside here, after spending over a year in lockdown with my husband and kids, this can be kind of hard to imagine, but there was a time when I just saw them at daycare pickup, drop off and dinner time. My son was one, my daughter was seven. It felt like my husband and I were mostly seeing each other for child handoffs. And I felt this undeniable call to channel more of my energy into my family at this time when our kids were so young, a choice that was a tremendous privilege. And I also had this gut feeling that something was asking to be born into my life and I did not know what it was. But I did know that if I didn't create some space in my very, very full life, I would not be able to figure out what I needed to do next. I would not be able to hear where love was calling me next into deeper connection with family, deeper alignment with my calling, putting down roots. I wasn't quite sure what it was. So of course I made a plan, leave the awesome ministry, spend more time with the kids, start a podcast I'd been dreaming about, keep feeding and growing my friendships and professional connections in town, in Minneapolis, where I was living. And then something would spring from that and I would know what to do. So it was a big leap. There were big losses, but there was a trustworthy landing pad that I felt good about. So anyway, on this walk, I hear my spouse say, you know, if we wanted to, now that we don't have anything tying us to Minneapolis, we could move if we wanted. We could go anywhere. We could go like to Colorado, for example. No, 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 don't say that. This was a very distressing concept. So I pulled myself together and I listened to everything he had to share. And I said some version of, no, thank you. Or maybe I can't talk about this. And that night I did not sleep at all. I was awake all night long, which is really unusual for me. And so the next day I just had to inform Jason that I could not talk about this. It upset me too much. I couldn't go there with them. I could not go into that imagined world. I was going to say the goodbye that I had planned to my awesome ministry and step into the next phase that I had set out for myself. 
And why would I want to step off a cliff like this and start thinking of moving out of state when the thing that made the leap even conceivable in the first place was my safety nets that I had put up? And to this, Jason responded, I completely understand. I'm sorry that the conversation made you so upset. That wasn't my intention and we do not have to talk about this until you're ready. And it's just an idea. I felt relieved. I felt respected. And I also felt kind of mad and unsettled because I could see that he was playing the long game. And not in a cold and calculating way, but in a way like whatever we do has to be both of our wholehearted decisions or it won't work kind of a way. Damn it. So I took him at his word and I did not bring it up. I did not bring it up the rest of the spring. I did not bring it up all summer long. I did not bring it up that fall. I would not consent to imagine with him because it was too scary. We hear the word imagination and we often think of whimsy. We think of a joyful escape from the constraints of reality, a fantasy that brings us nothing but fun. But imagining can also be very frightening. It can ask us to set aside the safety of our denial, our routines, our plans for the future. Imagination asks us to loosen our grip on the illusion of control and step into the I don't know, to step into the anything could happen, into dream space. And it can be terrifying to really let ourselves imagine because deep down we know that once we discover something, once our imagination finds something really compelling, we will not ever be able to unsee it. We can work hard, we can try to bury it, deny it, distract ourselves from whatever we discover, but some part of us will always know that it's there. To borrow from Paul Tillich, our imaginations are double-edged because they not only open worlds, they open our souls. There are consequences to opening our souls. Deep imagining invites us into worlds where a vision might ask us to risk disappointment or failure, to give up what's keeping us comfortable or giving us a sense of identity, to acknowledge that we may not live to see what we're making, what we're pouring our heart into. Imagination lays the ground for transformation and liberation. And these are hard, confusing roads. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that some parts of my imagination have calcified during this pandemic, that they have atrophied during this time of social distancing. My world has gotten smaller after days and weeks in my home, Honestly, sometimes even making a plan to drive to the other side of town can feel like I'm stretching my imagination. Sometimes I wonder if I've actually regressed in some ways. How I imagine celebrating a birthday or what it looks like to connect with a friend. How I can imagine what a good day looks like or what a bad day looks like or what any day looks like right now. I had a birthday recently and it took a surprising amount of work 
to think of something besides a Zoom meeting where we're all interrupting each other, trying to make small talk, and then we sing happy birthday out of sync, and then we end it with an abrupt pressing of leave meeting. Doink, it's over. And I will share that we ended up doing coffee and donuts and telling jokes over Zoom, and that was pretty cool, and then I went for a hike. But it took me a while to come up with that. <laughs> As you can probably guess, since I'm coming to you live from Fort Collins, Colorado, Jason and I finally figured out how to make space to dream together, but it was nearly six months after I outlawed any conversation on the matter. It took place after the leaves had all fallen off the trees and snow covered the ground, and then we started talking, slowly, carefully, and as we let ourselves dream together into all the ways that this terrifying move would actually be a leap deeper into our strongest values and a leap deeper into our closest relationships and family networks. And even though it would mean heart-wrenching goodbyes, I also began to notice that not taking this leap was becoming harder to tolerate that putting my energy against this change felt more psychically bothersome and misaligned than actually making those next steps into leaving. So despite my most desperate initial wishing to make this idea just go away, I said yes to a road trip into the unknown with imagination and creativity up in the front seat with us, co-creating with us, and trusty old familiar fear also along for the ride. And this morning, this has me thinking about what kind of gesture this yes to the imagination looks like in our collective life, in our communities, in our country, through all of our webs of connection and relationship. What does it look like to imagine on that level. And I'm thinking of those birds in our Seamorg story who knew they needed a change in their chaotic community. They knew another world was possible, one with more wis wisdom and less heartache. And so 30 of them dared to fly towards a mythical place halfway around the world, scared to death as they passed through places with names like bewilderment and annihilation trusting that somehow the mysterious Seamorg would know what to do. Our imagination puts us in direct relationship with the future, our future selves, our future society, and generations we'll never know. An us we haven't met yet. An us that will go on long after we die. And we're accountable to this future. We're co-creators of this future. And we do right by our shared future, by opening to love again and again, even when it's terrifying. 